0: Hello everyone, welcome to our Saturday broadcast. i start the broadcast off with a semi-guided meditation. You're welcome
1: to begin posting questions from the get-go. You're welcome to post chatting in the chat as long as it's respectful and polite.
0: And on topic. And then after the meditation, we'll do the Q&A. I'll start answering questions asked by Chris. So to begin, sit comfortably. Put your hands on your lap. A good thing, way to sit is cross-legged without supporting your back on anything. But if you sit in a chair, just make sure you're alert. Close your eyes. Focus your attention on your stomach.
1: You'll find that the only part of your body that moves is the part that is affected by the in-breaths and the out-breaths. As you relax, you'll find this is your abdomen rising and falling, expanding and contracting.
0: In English, we call this rising,
1: falling. In other languages, it's something like expanding and contracting, inflating, deflating, and so on.
0: Just trying to be aware of that movement whenever it rises. Just say to yourself, rising. Fall. Don't say it out loud.
1: Just in your mind, use it as a reminder, a way of keeping your mind focused on the experience, keeping your mind from reacting or getting distracted or extrapolating or anything like that, keeping your mind focused on
0: the actual experience. As you apply your mind to focusing on the stomach, you'll find from time to time, you become distracted, something else comes in and takes your attention away from the stomach.
1: And that's okay. The, the practice of mindfulness allows you to change the object based on the experience. So wherever your mind focuses, in whatever way your mind focuses, try and take take that experience as your object. So if you feel pain or aching or soreness, use that as a meditation object. Say to yourself, pain, pain.
0: If you feel happy, say to yourself, happy, happy. If you feel calm, Focus on the calm and say calm, calm. Just trying to experience
1: it as it is and remind yourself of the nature of the experience to keep you from reacting. If you're thinking about the past or future, good thoughts, bad thoughts, focus on these thoughts and say to yourself,
0: thinking, thinking. Basically, whatever you experience
1: that takes you away from the stomach, make a note of it until it goes away. And then once it's gone, go back again to the stomach, feelings, thoughts, emotions, If you have any emotions, whenever your emotions arise,
0: liking, disliking, sadness, fear, anger, frustration, depression, craving, desire. Just find a name for the experience. Find a name
1: for the emotion. And just repeat it to yourself. Liking, liking, disliking, disliking. Sad, sad,
0: bored, bored, whatever it is.
1: Just use the word as a means of reminding yourself. Reminding yourself of the nature of the experience. Keeping the mind focused on that experience too, so it doesn't get diverted. It doesn't get caught up in the emotion. Lost in the
0: emotion. Keeping alert, clearly aware of the emotion as it is.
1: Or any other mind state, if you feel restless, too much energy, or drowsy, not enough energy. If you feel worried or confused or any doubt. All of these can become an object of meditation.
0: Finally, you can focus on your experiences, the senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling.
1: Even with your eyes closed, you might see lights or colors or pictures. Just focus on that as your object. Say to yourself, seeing, seeing. If you hear a sound, hearing, hearing,
0: basically everything you experience inside your mind or in the world around you, during meditation
1: practice, outside of meditation practice. Applying this technique allows you to stay focused, stay present, stay alert. And have it with a clear mind, without any judgment or attachment, without any corruption in the mind.
0: This is the practice of mindfulness. Okay, so slowly come out of meditation, open your eyes. We'll now enter
1: into the question and answer part of the session, so you're welcome to post questions in the chat, and our volunteers will
0: Gather them together, and Chris will ask them. I'll try to answer them. Until though questions are coming in, none are yet prepared to be asked. Well,
1: if there are no questions, we can just keep practicing. Or after you've asked your question, just keep practicing. I would ask that from now on the chat be reserved to questions only about your meditation practice. Uh, same with genital organs, also don't exist. So you're 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 perceiving this as from a conceptual perspective, and that's from a, uh, the point of view of mindfulness, or in terms of mindfulness practice, um, that's misleading. Uh, that that takes you away from reality. So when you feel a feeling, you should note to yourself, feeling, feeling. You don't feel your chakras flowing. You feel a feeling that you interpret in whatever way. And uh, that feeling is just an experience. And then there are going to be reactions to that experience. and There are going to be interpretations of the experience. And all of those things are what's really happening, the interpretations, the reactions. So my advice is uh, to consider practicing mindfulness. If you haven't read our booklet, read the booklet. See what you think about that and see if that helps to clear up some of the uh, confusion or uncertainty around your experience.
0: I have
2: a stable meditation practice using the breath as an object. I have read that there is no object meditation where you rest in awareness itself. Is this superior? Could you explain it?
0: Mm. No, the mind has to take an object. And the mind conceives of
1: something or perceives something, even if that's just a, percep- just a mental idea or a mental object. So when you have an awareness, you're, there's an awareness of the state of mind. There's an awareness of a state. There's feeling involved whether it be a pleasant feeling, a neutral feeling, or a painful feeling. I'd say probably a neutral feeling. Uh, so no-object meditation isn't technically possible. But in, it, it sounds like you're talking about just taking awareness as the object. So you're aware of having just been aware. after It's after the fact, so one mind becomes aware of the mind before it, that kind of thing. I don't teach that or I don't I don't teach either of those so if you're interested in my ideas about meditation again check out some of the teachings we have the booklet and videos and so on
0: Do we need a relaxation step in vipassana meditation
1: No No, you can preface vipassana meditation with samatha meditation. So practice samatha meditation until you gain relaxed, peaceful, calm states, and then switch to practicing vipassana. There's benefit to that. I don't think it's something that is I would recommend to most people, unless you have a lot of time and and a suitable, ideal environment for the practice of samatha meditation. But it certainly is one way to go.
0: And it's not necessary. How do I get through boredom during
2: meditation?
1: Well, don't see it as something that you have to get through. See it as something that you have to understand, like everything else. So when you experience boredom, take the boredom as an object, trying to be mindful. Create, create the memory, the reminder for yourself. Say bored, bored as a reminder to keep you from reacting.
2: How can I learn Vipassana meditation? I only find instructions for Samatha meditation. Could you recommend any books?
1: Yes, uh, we have a booklet on how to practice. The words we use are mindfulness, because technically you don't practice vipassana. It's it's a bit confusing because you hear about mindfulness and vipassana, but the reason is that you don't actually practice vipassana. Vipassana means seeing clearly, and you don't just practice seeing clearly. You practice mindfulness, which gives you the capacity to see clearly. The practice you do evokes states of clarity which then give rise to the wisdom of of vipassana. So if you read our booklet, I can guarantee you that that's a valid, proper type of practicing vipassana. If you're interested, we also have an at-home meditation course that you could take up if you're really looking for going further.
2: How do you avoid overestimating your practice and thinking you're more advanced than you are?
1: It's a good question. Uh, it's something that does come up often. Um, it's it's really just good to be aware that that's a, a potential, it's a possibility. Really, we, we do have to um, be aware of our capacity to overestimate ourselves. Uh, our propensity, in fact, to to judge ourselves, to create conceit that I am at such and such a level and and cling to it, have that as a perception, as an idea of our worth and our value. And it really is just a sign of lack of clarity, a sign of of the of an impurity and imperfection of one's practice. So the only real answer is to just keep practicing. You'll start to see when you're wrong, and 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 try not to take that on as a part of your practice. This this perceiving and conceiving of yourself as being at this level or that level. A really important part of practice is to not have any sense of of your progress of anything to do with progress getting here getting there attaining this or attaining that because during the time that you're focused in that way you're not being mindful and so from time to time you might want to step back and see and, and recall how you've changed just for your own confidence but Again, the greatest confidence you can get is not from the results you get of the practice, but from the nature of the practice. How you see how your mind is, when you see that your mind is mindful. Don't cling to anything. Don't cling to results you get. Don't cling to ideas of who you are. There really is no...
0: There's no mysterious answer, the answer is just to be more mindful and see more clearly.
2: I would like to do a meditation retreat this summer. Is there any meditation center you would recommend that are located in Canada?
1: Well, hey, We're located in Canada. We don't have a big meditation center yet. Um, we we were renting a house and i think by the summer we'll probably be renting or or have a place um, for people to come again and uh, as we work towards a long-term solution but for now even now where i am at least one or two people can come to practice at a time so if you're interested in coming to our center you visit our website and check out the courses we offer
0: It
2: generally takes 10 to 15 minutes for me to calm down once I start meditating. What is the best type of meditation which can cause calm in the mind?
1: Well, there's somewhat to meditation. There are, there are many types of meditation. It, in fact, it's a bit more complicated than that. There is no best type. The type is going to depend on your character type. For certain people, certain types of meditation make them more calm. For certain types of people... Um, some meditations don't don't make them calm, depending on their character type. The meditations make certain types of people calm, and other people not so calm. That being said, you have to be aware that that's not the goal, the ultimate goal of Buddhist meditation. The ultimate goal is, uh, well, in a world, in a mundane sense, is to see clearly. The, the ultimate goal is to become free from suffering through seeing clearly. And that takes precedence over feeling calm. It means focusing on and paying attention to and learning about the unpleasant states, stress, uh, suffering, disappointment, and so on. Uh, So if you're focused too much on calm, you might miss that, and you might fall short of actually freeing yourself from suffering because you can become dependent on the calm clinging to it, needing it, wanting it, and so on.
0: And it's not satisfying because you have to keep working for it.
2: I've been meditating for long. It helped me to see things more clearly. However, since I'm dealing with a chronic illness lately, my practice is causing me more emotional and physical pain. Any tips?
1: Hmm. Well, practice shouldn't cause either of those. Um, it can cause some physical pain, but if it's causing intense physical pain, then you might want to adjust your practice. Um, you might want to. You don't have to be too concerned with physical pain. It depends how intense it is and and whether it's going to cause you an Ill, uh, uh, an injury of some sort. But pain isn't actually a problem. Pain is just an experience. The the problem is we react to the pain. We don't like it. We get upset by it. But practice should never cause you emotional pain. Um, It it may, in the beginning, trigger some of your triggers, some of your your habitual responses to things. Uh, But the meditation itself isn't doing that. That's just our, our... propensity or inclination to uh, to be triggered you no. mindfulness is really to work through those triggers which does involve seeing them being triggered and 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 learning new ways of of uh, not reacting that are not being triggered so reacting with clarity instead of desire or aversion Or or emotional pain. No, Emotional pain is just a reaction and it's habitual. It isn't an inevitability. And so if you can be mindful of the things that you feel are causing you emotional pain, then the emotional pain won't arise if you instead react with clarity and mindfulness. That's what the practice is all about. It should never bring you the emotional pain. And, of course, the same with physical pain. When you feel the physical pain, just trying to be mindful of it. The clarity will prevent you from
0: suffering from it.
2: I often see different colors and movements of light during closed-eye meditation. Should I note this as seeing?
1: Yes, absolutely. That's important. It's important simply because it's a common distraction, and it's easy to get attached to it, to fall, uh, to get into a pattern of of liking, enjoying, and and being pacified by it, such that you get distracted away from being mindful and and present and objective. So, just like anything else, just note to yourself, seeing, seeing until it goes away.
2: I talk to myself aloud because I remember something that made me angry or something else. When I become aware of it, should I just do the same thing, noting and saying, talking, talking?
1: You can. I mean, when you're talking, you can note the movements of the lips. You can note the feeling of the voice box. You can even note the sound as hearing the sound of your own voice. You can note all of that. Um, but I, I would honestly uh, more likely be mindful of what it's your, what you're experiencing because see what happens is you talk for a bit and then you realize that you're talking to yourself and at that time you're not talking anymore. You should then just say to yourself, you know, angry or or whatever the emotion is. Try and be mindful of what's happening, or at the very least, you can say to yourself, knowing, knowing, just knowing the the, the awareness, a um, uh, recognition of the awareness of what happened.
2: is it possible to reach deep states of meditation while doing walking meditation also is it important to focus on steps only what about our movement and breath while walking
1: well i'm not quite sure what you mean by deep states of meditation i mean i'm not it's not something i haven't heard before but i want to question it because it kind of belies a, a simplistic understanding of meditation as something in which you go deeper and deeper. And there are meditations that have that sort of quality to them, um, but it certainly isn't what we practice. And it's either way a little bit simplistic. Um, the, 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 the way of practicing tranquility meditation is creating us refinement of practice. So it's not exactly going deeper, though I think you probably could describe it that way. It's more like refinement. So becoming less coarse, becoming more pure in your mind state. So your state of calm and peace is more and more pure. That could be understood as deeper, but that's not what we practice here. What we practice is a very light, present, uh, flexible sort of meditation that isn't focused on a single object. It's being aware of all objects. Uh, as as far as so so well, it's it is harder to attain those sorts of tranquil states during walking but again that's not what we do walking for um as far as important to focus on steps only if you're doing formal walking meditation your arms shouldn't be moving uh, and and no either way you don't be you don't be mindful of the breath during the steps the the point is you don't have to note absolutely everything we don't in fact note the whole leg movement we're only noting the foot movement right but you might be aware of other parts of your body moving that's fine and the answer is no you don't note those as well you just continue to note only the foot it's not uh, better or, or somehow more beneficial to note absolutely everything the idea is to just keep yourself present use the noting As a means of cultivating this presence of mind,
0: how to deal with oppression when there is no choice but being obliged to do something?
1: I'll try and be mindful, it's an unfortunate state. but it isn't the worst state. Being obliged to do things externally is not the same as being imprisoned internally, or being being made to suffer. No. So you can do you can be at peace even when you're obliged uh, externally to do things. And and also um you can never technically be obliged to do anything except that which you know is right. So, if you know that something's wrong, you're not technically obliged to do it. You, you have you always have a choice. In, in some sense, uh, your choices are much more limited by your mind state. So, if you're afraid, if someone is making you afraid, or um, if you're being manipulated out of desire, or so on, that sort of thing. That's what's going to prevent your choice. But once you free yourself from those emotional states and you're not afraid of the consequences of disobeying in order to do something that you know is wrong, then you can be free from suffering. Well, and, and, of course, also having to be free from the suffering that comes from whatever repercussions arise, violence or um, deprivation, etc.
0: Do you see a problem in using medical
2: marijuana regarding the practice? Yes.
1: Yes. The reason for use, unless the reason was somehow for epilepsy or something, uh, then you might have an argument. But medical marijuana is is for its psychoactive active properties. I assume, Uh, in which case you are using it to inhibit the same thing, very things that we want to learn about. You're cultivating a, an aversive sort of relationship towards those experiences. And in the short short term, that could be okay with meditation, but in the long term, it's just going to prevent you from progressing because you're avoiding the, the problem and you're relying on the pleasure of and the calm of, of being stoned.
2: Any suggestions on aiding another on healing their strong emotional reactions that are detrimental to those around them?
1: Well, you can introduce them to our meditation practice. I think that's a good description of the sort of thing that it helps with. Uh, but uh, as always, caution against having expectations on put on other people because you cannot control them. And the best, you, you you can't really aid them. You can just provide them advice for them to help themselves. Only they can do the healing. You're, you can be supportive, and that's a very important thing. But just be clear that that's the most you can do, is be supportive and instructive. You can't heal them.
2: My mind is not racing with worries and fearful thoughts, just a repetitive music that plays in my head. But my body is very uptight, tense, and not relaxed. How is that possible, and what can I do about it?
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: now, the body has many
1: reasons why it might be tense. They're usually mental, but they can be delayed. So you might have been stressed earlier on. But it's complicated. It's hard to really perceive what's going on both physically and mentally. And both, they, they they work in complex ways. The question as to why something is happening, how something is possible, isn't really interesting because it is possible. You You, you know it's possible because you're experiencing it. So, so how it's possible isn't really all that interesting to us. The question of what to do about it is interesting. And it's important, as with everything, as I said again and again, um, to not try to fix things as though they're problems, but try to understand them as though there's something you don't understand, which is the real problem, our lack of understanding. Having to ask these questions is a sign of lack of understanding, which is understandable. We, we, we don't. Understand ourselves, so both the music and the tension are 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 important objects of meditation. You should note hearing, hearing, who knows, noting that might change your physical state, but that's not our focus. Our focus is on trying to understand what's going on and, and to see it more clearly. so note hearing, hearing, and when you feel tense, say tense, tense. And you'll start to see other things. You'll most likely start to see some stress in the mind, some aversion towards the tension, for example. And you should be noting those as well. So if you haven't read our booklet, try reading the booklet. That might help you, give you some
0: direction on how to accomplish this.
2: Even when I'm very successful with my noting, I fail to make any connections that are not post-fact intellectualizations. Can you elaborate on the mechanism of how noting leads to seeing clearly?
1: Mm -hmm. Noting is always after the fact, technically because that's just how the mind works. During the time you're experiencing something, there's nothing you can do. You can't do anything but experience. So absolutely, uh, the noting or anything you might do in terms of meditation is always going to be after the fact. The point is really not quite to create clarity. Just like you don't create cleanliness. How do you bring about cleanliness? You bring it about by removing the dirt So this is not quite like that. This is more like preventing the dirt in the first place because we're preventing a reaction. Any reaction we might have to something, a disliking of the pain, doesn't happen as the pain is happening. It happens as a response to the pain. Using the noting is a means of um, getting in before the reaction arises and as a result preventing the reaction because you can't dislike something when you're looking at it objectively that's the whole point furthermore all of our reactions to things our responses to experiences are habitual so as you apply this practice repetitively repeatedly you know, methodically systematically and throughout the day your habits start to change and so you start to, generally speaking, see things more clearly, not because you created some kind of clarity, but because you have less dirt arising, less, less obstructions to clarity, less greed, less anger, less delusion. Those are things that obstruct the, our vision. And so by, by preventing those, which is really what we're doing through mindfulness, the clarity is, is like the moon coming out from behind the cloud.
0: When meditating,
2: I am mindful, but when I don't, I have trouble being mindful all the time. What do you suggest?
1: Having trouble isn't a sign that something's wrong, so there's nothing really to suggest. I mean, except keep going, continue. Having trouble is a sign of of doing the work. If you were no longer troubled by it, then it would be that we'd have a problem because you'd have been you'd just stop trying, right? So the fact that you're having trouble is a sign that you're trying, and it's a challenging process. I mean, that that's not a great answer. I mean, that's an important part of the answer, but it's not the most useful thing for you. Um, no, I, I mean, it is very useful, but but on top of that, there are things you can do that that are more what you're looking for when you ask this question. Try living a simpler life. Try associating with people who are mindful. There are lots of ways that you can help your practice. Um, Just that ultimately, it's not a sign that something's wrong. It's just a sign of your limitations, Um, which which again can be supported by changing your conditions, changing your environment, changing the people you associate with, the work that you do, etc., Becoming a monk, for example, going and living in the forest, that sort of thing.
0: When my
2: work is very intense, my noting gets very easily distracted without me noticing. Is there a way to increase concentration for times when I'm preoccupied with lay responsibilities
1: really again, just practice again don't don't focus too much on concentration, like so when you feel distracted, it's not that something's wrong. That's not how you should perceive that you should perceive that as distraction has arisen, and thereby say to yourself, distracted distracted we We, we easily fall into judging everything that happens, judging our seeming um, weaknesses or failings or or flaws or that sort of thing. But we don't look at things like that in mindfulness. There's no flaws or failings, etc. There's just experiences. So when you're distracted, that's still just an experience. Say to yourself, distracted distracted.
2: Is it wrong, in your opinion, to follow the Anapanasati Sutta, or if not wrong per se, is it incomplete?
1: No, I think it's a great sutta. It includes the practice of samatha and vipassana. It's not that it's incomplete; it's just that it's it's very very um, succinct. You no, know? it's not an, an an expanded upon teaching. It says, you know, seeing the breath as impermanent. Well that takes some explanation how do you do that right and and how is it how is it that you uh, in one way what is the way in which you experience the breath tranquil in as tranquilizing and in another way you experience uh, it as impermanent what is the difference because it does take a different way of looking at it potentially i mean how do you be in one state and not the other How do you focus your attention on the impermanence and not on the tranquilizing? They're two different types of meditation, technically. Though, yes, they could occur in the same same, uh, practice, practically speaking. But uh, how we apply our mind is going to determine which uh, way we perceive the breath. So, for example, the way I was teaching at the beginning of this session is much more focused on perceiving the breath as impermanent, so perceiving the experiences related to the breath as impermanent suffering and non-self, whereas other ways like counting the breath or focusing on the breath as a concept would be much better for calming the mind and and wouldn't lead so easily to seeing clearly impermanent
0: suffering and non-self. Should we note thought
2: and mental state separately? For example, this is thought as of now, and this is mental state as of now.
1: You should note them separately, but I don't understand your example exactly. You should note thought as thinking and mental states as what the mental states are, like liking, disliking, drowsiness, distraction, doubt, and so on. Note them for what they are
0: they're not they're, they are separate from thought that is important
2: I am a student and I need to study for my exam but I can't keep my focus and I don't want to study what should I do even if I study and forget it fast please help and also I'm a bit of shy
1: well Absolutely. Read our booklet. And get get into that practice. See if it helps you. And if it does, uh, sign up for an at home meditation course. I mean, things like studying are so much benefited by this practice. I know from experience just how my studies changed through the practice of mindfulness. Um, and and things like shyness as well. Shyness has to do with fear. It has to do with anxiety. And those are things that are majorly benefited by the practice of mindfulness, majorly uh, ameliorated. And mindfulness really helps
0: with them.
2: I know you should let go of jhana, but can you please tell how to get jhana? How long it takes to get jhana?
1: Jhana means meditation. So there are two types of meditation, two types of jhana. They're called Lakanupani jhana and aramanupani jhana. So one type of meditation is focused on a single conceptual object, and you focus on that. You can see, bring, you perceive it in your mind—a a, a picture or a light or something—and you fix your attention on that concept. And you have a word for it. You repeat the mantra to yourself, like white white if it's a white or fire fire if you're focusing on fire until you become absorbed and and you experience a a perfect image of that concept and then you become absorbed in it that's a trance sort of transcendental type of meditation we call it samatha meditation the other type of meditation of jhana is where you become uh, fixed and focused on reality so you stop seeing you stop judging things and that comes about through observing the momentary experiences the reality of your experience no concepts involved just seeing hearing smelling tasting feeling thinking body and mind as they arise and cease and the 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 meditative part is again the the fixation on on the reality so that you're no longer distracted by concepts or reactions or extrapolations When you get to that state, that's the the highest worldly state. It's actually higher than the trance states because it's based on reality. It's a a purity of mind that's based on experience, and it is the gateway to Nibbana, freedom
0: from suffering.
2: It's so different when I'm focusing on meditating and when I focus on something else. When I am meditating, I feel like I am focusing by force. Is this normal?
0: It's normal
1: in the beginning. Uh, It's a sign that you have uh, a, a controlling personality, which, to be honest, most people do. Before they begin to practice meditation, so it's an important realization it's an important part of our growth in the spiritual realm to to see how we try to control things uh, and you should just note it there's going to be a the reality of it is going to be a desire, an aversion to a worry, a fear, and also a tension in the body. so those emotions, the mental side of forcing and the physical side of it you should note them individually.
2: Should I note, I am in unpleasant situation, or unpleasant feeling has arisen in me, or this is unpleasant feeling?
1: You should keep it simple. So in English, we would note unpleasant, unpleasant. And, and in fact, unpleasant is a bit misleading because experiences aren't unpleasant, and neither are situation. I mean, situations don't even exist. So something is only perceived as unpleasant because you don't like it, and the reality is the disliking. So I would actually be more inclined to note disliking. But if, for example, you feel pain, then then you would note the pain as as pain, pain, or, or else the disliking of it. Yeah, but there really isn't such a thing as an unpleasant situation, even an unpleasant feeling. Again, that would just be pain, and you would note pain. Um, if your if your concern is rather if this question is more about grammar because certain other languages have different ways of 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 saying things that are still just one word but they have different implication right in in the way that you're describing here uh, it doesn't really matter just as long as you 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 the the core of it is the experience so whether you say I am walking or you just say walking or walking is occurring, it doesn't really matter, because in many languages, including the Buddha's language, it was one word, I am walking, gacchami, and so that was the word that they would use. In English, we can just
0: say walking.
2: When meditation is carried on for a longer period of time, formal or informal meditation, the mind gets tired and lots of thoughts arise. It becomes hard to see clearly. Is there something I should do?
0: Yeah, note the tired, note the distraction.
1: Being hard to see clearly is not uh, a sign that something's wrong. It's a sign that you're not perfect. And the only way to become more perfect is through more practice. Difficulty is not a sign something's wrong. It's important to remind yourself. Just say to yourself, distracted,
0: distracted. It's a good challenge for you. When
2: noting, how should I call the thoughts or feelings that are unknown to me when I don't know if they are sadness, confusion, etc.?
1: Well, it does take some work to become more competent, more more skilled in, in discerning what it is you're experiencing, and that's a, a part of the uh, the, the skill that we're trying to develop, because a clarity of of, of perception uh, is what allows you to be objective in the first place. It allows you to see things sh- with a sharp perception, this is this, without any kind of um, room for misunderstanding or uh, extrapolating or, or, or preconceiving or so on. So try and and develop that skill. But if it's just a feeling, you can just note feeling, feeling. Uh, If you are confused, I mean, it sounds like most likely you would then be confused about what you're experiencing. Then yeah, do you just note confused, confused. Do try to pinpoint what it is you're experiencing. And if you can't, you should note that, the confusion, etc. Doubt, worry, if you're worried about
0: finding the right word or so on.
2: I've been noting things other than rising, falling, with the intention of removing these distractions, so I could return to rising, falling. I realized this may be wrong practice. Is it?
1: Yes. Well, I mean, it's wrong in intention. The intention is wrong. But noting things that distract you from the rising and falling is important. Just don't have any intention that they should go away. Or, what you'll start to see is that that intention is a problem. That intention is causing you stress and suffering and tension and so on so it's a part of the learning experience but don't but be clear that your view should not be to remove distractions. you should just be noting the distractions because you're not distracted when you're mindful so as you say distracted or note whatever it is you're no longer distracted you're just not focusing on the stomach which there's nothing special about the stomach
0: Is noting vipassana meditation or related in any way?
1: Okay, so no. Um, Noting, as we, we tend to call it in modern times, is mantra meditation. It's the same as mantra meditation in ancient times. Mantra meditation is just a technique of meditation. It isn't actually a type of meditation in terms of being vipassana or being samatha. The noting, the mantra, is a tool that you use. Noting is just a tool. The meditation practice that you do depends on what your object is. What is the object of your noting? What is the thing that, that the noting focuses your attention on? What is the thing that the mantra focuses your attention on? If your focus is on a concept, like a color, or something that you perceive in your mind, you you bring about In your mind uh, conceptually then that's samatha it could be a person it could be a a a element or a color or something usually something very simple that's the most most useful the most easy to uh, to grasp as an object Um, but that is samatha meditation if the object of your your focus that the mantra is meant to focus your attention on is real as in the actual experience, when you see something, the the seeing, when you feel pain, the pain, when you feel anger, the anger, when you feel the stomach rising, that feeling of rising, all of that, if your focus is that, when you use the mantra, the meditation is called vipassana meditation. Why? Because it allows you to see clearly about reality. Why? Because the object is real. The object is reality. It is unsatisfying, it is unpredictable, it is uncontrollable. It doesn't have any entity or selfness to it. It arises and ceases. And so by focusing on it, you see that as the nature of reality. And that allows you to see clearly, to let go, to become free from suffering.
2: Thank you, Bhante. That's all the questions we're prepared to ask today. Thank you.
1: It was... In the beginning wasn't even sure if there would be any questions i think that's the first time we didn't have any questions in the beginning we got a lot in the end so thank you all for your questions again if your question didn't get answered well you can try asking it again later but be clear that um, our focus in these sessions is on questions that w- we ask ourselves a question a question when we consider a question the question we ask is whether this question, whether an answer to this question would really help the person asking, whether it would really help them in their practice to see clearly in their practice of of the Buddhist teaching, if it doesn't answer, if we can't answer that with a yes, then we put it in a lower tier, uh, and we put especially lower tier questions that are just out of curiosity, theoretical questions, questions that we really don't think. Um, Benefit the user, benefit the person to hear an answer. Like if they hear an answer, then maybe their curiosity is is pacified. Um, but we are open to asking other types to answering other types of questions. They should just be something that is uh, quite helpful to the person asking. That if they get an answer, it will help them progress in their practice. So mostly related to mindfulness practice. That's our focus. Anyway, good questions, and thank you, Chris and Ulu and uh, Jim for your help, Rahid for your help, and whoever else was helping us. I wish you all peace, happiness, freedom from suffering. Saadu. Have a good week.
2: Uh Sahadu.